Our reading this morning is Psalm 37, and you can find it on page 563 of the Bibles at the ends of the pews. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land, 
and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart, his feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was... uh... Working on this Thursday morning, I had a quick look on the BBC News website. I don't know, did anyone see that those interviews they've managed to get out of North Korea this week? Um, just uh, awful, awful. Um, there's a famine going on in North Korea on a scale that no one's seen since the 90s. Uh, people were talking about just going to their next door neighbours and discovering the whole family had starved to death. It was just unimaginably awful. And the line that got me was a throwaway line about Kim Jong-un testing a record 63 ballistic missiles in 2022. One estimate puts the total cost of these tests at more than $500 million, more than the amount needed to make up for North Korea's annual grain shortfall. So people are not starving to death because there isn't enough food, they're starving to death because the money to buy the food is being spent on on, uh, nuclear weapons. The headline next to that one read... um, a mother and her partner who killed her nine-year-old son in the bath following months of abuse have been jailed. Alfie Steele died after being held under the water as punishment at his home in Worcestershire in February 2021. He'd been subjected to a cruel regime. His body had more than 50 injuries. How do we process evil on that kind of scale? What do you do emotionally with stories like that? Someone who's kind of not affected by those kind of stories, they've got something wrong with them, haven't they? How do we respond? As a society, we want to say it's very judgmental to talk about someone being evil until we're face-to-face with it like that. We might want to say, look, it's just they had an unhappy childhood, it's just their genes... Until we're face to face with talking to someone who's who's been raped, um, or, or you know, it's just someone who's I don't know. The more personal it is, the harder it gets, isn't it? Maybe your next door neighbour has been putting stuff on social media about you, and it's just not true. Or I mean, for, for me, there's a guy up at Wood Lane who um, took on a contract to rent the church hall at St John's with no intention of paying the rent. He's basically bankrupted the church. 
the depth of anger I feel towards that man. It's, and I, I feel it. It's visceral. And I, what do you do with it? That kind of sense of helplessness. In North, whether it's North Korea, whether it's that poor little kid who's been put in the freezing cold bath because he wet the bed. Or, 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 or some idiot who, who, who's just kind of broken a contract. How do we handle that emotionally? Uh, we burn up, we get churned up and, and God help us, there is part of us I'd certainly there's part of me that, that at some point is tempted to envy the wicked don't you feel that? Like, wouldn't it, is there a sense which it would be nice not to, not to care about right and wrong for our, our consciences not to just kind of bother us at all um, what do we do with that? See, see, as Christians we have a theology of how we're meant to treat our enemies we know we're meant to forgive them Right? And, and we know our anger when our anger is normally a bad, wrong thing. That's true. That's true. But that's not all the Bible has to say. What do we do when our anger is completely justified? When something really is evil. And um, Psalm 37 is kind of one-to-one counselling session with King David. Speaking as the, the, the Messiah, the King of Israel. To, as a, speaking as a prophet to his people, it's, a, it's an acrostic. Every couple of lines um, starts with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's a kind of A to Z of how to handle evil. Uh, Augustine, the, the, the great 4th century Christian thinker, t- talks about this psalm as medicine. It's a draft. It's, a, it, it's like kind of cowpole for our, for our anger when we're, when we're heated up. And so um, what I've got this morning is um, one basic heading which is that your only hope is that God will cut off evil people. Your only hope, my only hope, is that God will cut off evil people. That phrase cut off comes up again and again through this psalm. And if it sounds harsh, if it sounds vindictive and mean, uh, one way to think about it is like this. Somewhere, somewhere in the deserts of Somalia or the mountains of Pakistan or, or Afghanistan at the moment, there are terror groups operating who right now are plotting and planning uh, an atrocity against the West. I take it we, we all know that. Only one of them has to get past the security services for something unimaginably awful to happen to you or someone you love. You will never be at peace in this world. You will never have any real security while those people are out there. Our only hope, our only hope, is that God will cut off the wicked. And Psalm 37, it kind of feels like Book of Proverbs that David says in a hundred different images, um, here's, here's how to handle evil. Here's what you need to remember. I originally called this um, sermon two-timing um, because there are two time frames in view. Uh, see what I mean? Um, first one, don't fret because of evil men. Uh, literally, don't heat yourself. Don't burn up. Don't churn up. Don't get your blood pressure up over them or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. So there's two time frames in view. There is now, that's what uh, the wicked are concerned about, and there is soon. That's what Christians are, are called to have in mind. And the image here is of the grass. Uh, I don't know if um, your grass is like ours. There's a bit of grass by our front door that's already, a couple of weeks ago, just beautifully lush and green, starting to go brown now. Give it another few days of this weather, the, the, the whole lawn will be, be going brown. Um, the, uh, in the Middle East, that happens overnight, doesn't it? That kind of heat. Grass comes up green in the morning and it's gone by evening. Um, that's the wicked. Verse 3 turns from the warning, the negative warning, to the positive. Trust in the Lord and do good. Don't give up taking opportunities to do the right thing. Dwell in the Lord 
Uh, so dwell in the land and literally shepherd faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, in Yahweh. He will give you the desires of your heart. So Charles Spurgeon says, copy the wicked. If you know Spurgeon, that's a pretty unusual thing for him to say. But he says, copy the wicked. Do what the wicked do. See, they delight in their portion, all the things they've got now. You delight in yours. You've got the Lord's. Delight in him. And if we're doing that, well, then it's totally safe for him to promise to ask whatever we want. Because if the more our desires are lined up with his will, the more he loves to answer. Um, verse 5. Commit your way to Yahweh. Trust in him and he'll do this. He'll make your righteousness, literally your vindication, shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like the noonday sun. And you know, someone has, has a go at you. And what do you want to do? You, you want to defend yourself. And then as soon as that happens, you're being defensive. And what do you do? You can't win. What does verse 6 says? Make your righteousness, your vindication, shine like the dawn. You wake up at 6.30 at the moment, the sunlight streaming through the curtains. Uh, go outside, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's, it's so scorching, you can kind of barely look up. You need the sunglasses on. And when Bob from Accounts is having a go at you on social media... I guarantee Bob is not thinking the day is coming when Mark is going to shine like a, uh, the noonday sun. But he will. He will see that. Um, verse 7. Be still before Yahweh and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when men succeed in their evil ways, when they carry out their, their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Don't fret. It only leads to evil. So evil comes at me. And I think I can push back against it with evil, by fretting, by anxiety, by self-pity, by, um, by jealousy, by envy, whatever it is. Evil's coming at me. I try and fight it back with evil. The one thing you can guarantee is if you fight evil with evil, evil wins. So what does uh, David say, verse 4? Evil men will be cut off. That's that phrase. For those, but those who hope in Yahweh will inherit the land. And cut off that is a violent word, it's what you do with an axe. Inheriting the land, that's a phrase we're going to get again and again in this psalm. Um, the land of Israel in the Old Testament is a, is a picture of heaven. Or the new, the new heavens and the new earth, the world to come. The, the, the home of righteousness. So, so there is a future for those who wait for the Lord a little while. And the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. So the boys have learnt... They can't trust me with time. If I say, give me a minute, I mean five minutes. If I, say, give me, if I say, give me five minutes, I mean, give me half an hour. If I say, give me half an hour, Nikki knows she's not going to see me till bedtime. But the Lord is not like me. When he says a little while, he means it. And from, from the standpoint of eternity, as we look back, we'll say it was absolutely true. Um, the meek will inherit the land. Uh, the new creation, and enjoy great peace. Um, that's, uh, if that sounds familiar, that's the fourth beatitude, isn't it? That's Jesus' summary of the whole psalm. The meek will inherit the earth. Uh, why? Because the meek are the opposite of the fretful. When I'm fretting, what am I saying? I'm saying, I just am worried that God is not going to do his job. The meek are willing to wait for him and trust him. Uh, verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. It's animal language. The velociraptors are out there. But 
the Lord laughs at the wicked. He knows their day is coming. And just get that little moment here as the, the curtain on heaven is pulled back. We see God sitting on his throne. Is he chewing his fingernails? Is he anxious? Is he fretting? No, he just laughs. The idea that anyone could stand against him is so pathetic. Verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. It's an ambush. You're directing a film of this. It's, it's a kind of pulsing moment. That the, the, the music is building to a crescendo. The climax of the film is coming. The wicked are about to jump out and devour the, the, those who are helpless. And yet, verse 15, just as they leap into the air, their swords will pierce their own hearts and their, literally their arms will be broken. There is self-inflicted justice here. Not just the bows, their weapons that are broken, their arms, the, the, what they need to be able to use their weapons will be broken. Uh, and then we're into to talking about money, possessions, finances, better the little that the righteous have, verse 16, than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but Yahweh upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to Yahweh, their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster they won't wither, in days of famine they'll enjoy plenty talking to someone this week who does a job that they love it's quite a precarious job doesn't bring in a lot of money that they, they uh, are not sure they can keep doing it um, uh, just uh, just chatting and he said to me um, he said Simon I uh, I pray every day the Lord will give me just enough for today just enough to keep him to keep me depending on him and I was just like, I was blown away by that because I think well that's not what I want well, what do I want? I want enough for today and I want enough to know that I don't have to worry about tomorrow either. Uh, that, that's, that's the righteous, the blameless. Uh, verse 20, the wicked will perish. The Yahweh's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They'll vanish, vanish like smoke. First job I ever had, um, I was 13 and a friend of uh, and I were, were asked by a farmer to clear a field of ragwort. We went into this, this field and it was just everywhere. It was yellow all over the place. And a few days later, saw hands, gardening gloves done their job. Um, we got it all up and we burnt it. And, and, and kind of smoke went up and that was it. It's gone. You look around this field that had been so far, just been yellow. The rag would have been everywhere. All gone. No evidence it was ever there. That's the wicked. Verse 21. Uh, thank you. Uh, Rudstad. I love that. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. That's that. Pratt up at Wood Lane. Um, wicked are grabbers. They've never got enough. The righteous, they're givers. For Yahweh, and there's, and there's a the word for is missing between verse 21 and 22 in, in, in our translation. For those Yahweh blesses will inherit the land. Those he curses will be cut off. Why is it that the righteous can be givers? Why is it that we're planning a gift day for our mission partners in a, a couple of weeks' time in the middle of a cost of living crisis? Because because the righteous are those who, who know they can trust the Lord to provide. He's got their backs. He protects. Frees us up to be generous. Verse 23, if Yahweh delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. There's a steadiness to him. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For Yahweh upholds him with his hand. Um, it's not saying that, that, that there aren't going to be some pretty big stumbles. You trip up over our own sin or someone else's sin. Uh, when Luke tripped up the other day and, and banged his tooth on the patio, it was a pretty big, pretty painful trip. 
But there's a world of difference between falling over and banging your teeth and falling off the side of Mount Everest. Uh, Though he stumble, he will not fall, for Yahweh upholds him with his hand, which I think gives us the context of verse 25, which is a puzzling verse. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. And we think, David, do you need to go down to Specsavers? Do you need, need your eyes tested? But notice he doesn't say, I've never seen the righteous suffer. So I've never seen them abandoned. I've never seen them forsaken. And I take it, in his experience, it was true. Uh, in the city of Jerusalem, in his day, that their children of the righteous weren't left begging. Um, I think David's articulating a general principle here, um, which is always ultimately true. That the, the righteous are a blessing through the generations. There's a legacy of righteousness. Um, Verse 26, they're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Um, there's, there's an encouragement there, isn't there, for, for those who kind of seeing their children walking away from the Lord. We've had a number of testimonies, haven't we, as a church family, of those whose who, hearts are breaking for their kids. Just that, that promise there that children of the righteous have a particular place in, in the Lord's heart. Friend of the father is a friend of a family. I think of my friends who, you know, their, their kids have got a special place in my heart. So that encouragement, maybe we need to keep praying for, for those kids who um, at the moment don't seem to be anywhere with the Lord. Verse 27, then turn from evil and do good and you will dwell in the land forever. Notice that phrase. For the Yahweh loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off and the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever and if you read um, liberal old testament scholars uh, they will tell you uh, that uh, people in old testament times didn't believe in life after death they didn't believe in eternity and you read that and you think you know have they even read the old testament well, there's a difference in that between between buying a property I, I know very little about this but if you buy a property you can buy at least hold or you can buy it freehold now, you, do you have it if you leasehold for 50 years, 100 years? Or, or you have it, it's yours forever. And the, the Lord's promises don't come leasehold. They, they don't have an expiry date on them. The protection is forever. Verse 30, the mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The law of God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie and wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But Yahweh will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Spurgeon says if it wasn't for um, the laws of the land, uh, there would be a massacre of the righteous. We might add as well, if it wasn't for the English Channel and the security services. Um, So verse 34, what are we to do? Wait for Yahweh. Keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. You'll be an eyewitness of his justice. I've seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil. Come across the phrase man spreading. That's what the wicked is doing, like that green tree. And, and if it's personal, oh, I take it, he's always in your mind, isn't he? That, 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 that wicked person, that, that, you can't get that thought out of your, your head about, about what that person has done to you, but he soon passed away and was no more. Like the, um, do you remember the lime tree that was taken down, that was pushing over the churchyard wall a couple of years ago? You go over to coffee, just look over. And, you, and, and I bet for most of us, we're looking, we'll go, 
I've forgotten there was a tree there. Yeah, was it, was it on that side or that side? Uh, that, that tree that just dominated that bit of the road. There's just no evidence of it there at all. And David says, that is what the wicked will be like. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. He was everywhere. Now he's nowhere. Consider the blameless. Observe the uprights. There's a future for the man of peace. David says, don't be afraid of experience. Look round. Uh, who can I embarrass because he's not here? Um, okay, look at, look, at, look at the Jessops. Look at, look at Ken and Barbara. And just and, and uh, look at uh, Ina. Ina's away, isn't she? I, I, I'm trying to think who else isn't here. Um, look, look at their life. I say that there's a future for the upright. It, of all the hard things that they've been through in their lives, this is the good life, isn't it? Walking with the living God in the face of whatever pressures and, and heartbreaks come at us. Don't be afraid of experience. The, the Bible's true in real life. Uh, all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I never feared Hitler. I never feared Hitler. It was enough for me to read the 37th Psalm. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that helpful? Um, okay, so um, have I made the case um, from the Psalm, our only hope is that the Lord cuts off the wicked. I have two final points to make very quickly as we come to an end. But the, the point is, is clear. The salvation of the righteous, verse 39, comes from Yahweh. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. I cannot save myself. I cannot cut off the wicked. My only hope is that God does that. The problem, of course, is that my only hope is also that God does not cut off the wicked. Isn't that the fatal flaw in this psalm? In, in its logic that, that see, um, I, I, because we've been affected by evil, because we've been moved by it, because we can see it out there, we're very quick to forget that it is also right here as well. It's out there and it's inside me. When we talk about the wicked, um, we tend to, to grade wickedness, don't we? So down at the bottom, there's Kim Jong un, and there's Alfie Steele's uh, mum's partner. And then somewhere at the top of the, the kind of moral tree there's me and that's just not how God does it is it the, the world is divided in two you have the right you have the righteous and you have the wicked and it's a binary choice and the righteous in Psalm 37 is the person who has consistently uprightly walked with the Lord and trusted him and not fretted and not got burnt up over things now I Obviously, I can't talk about Scott, but the situation with, with Scott and other kind of pastoral things at the moment. But there is no, there's no shortage of evidence that I am not the nice person I want everyone to think I am. That, that the more you know me, the better you know me. I mean, if Nikki was being honest, uh, she could tell you there are all kinds of ways in which um, I've proved that by nature my, my, I'm, on, I'm on Team Wicked. I, I'm wearing the um, fast and furious socks that Matthew gave me for, for Father's Day this morning. And um, I think that's because of my um, striking physical resemblance to Vin Diesel. Um, but, but that's my, my temper by nature as well, isn't it? We can't, we're fast, we're furious. My only hope from Psalm 37 is that God will cut off the wicked. My only hope is that he will not cut off the wicked. And as we come to the Lord's table, what is our only hope? Our only hope is that God has cut off the righteous one and delivered him. God has cut off and saved the one who is perfectly righteous. When you read 
Psalm 37, there's, there's a kind of aha moment I, I had. I mean, I, do you know what it's like? So Psalm 37 is a song. You know, when you listen to a song and you think, I have no idea what the song is about. Do you have that? I, I regularly think that. I was listening to a song. YouTube brought up a, a song by a singer I, I like about um, Vincent White Lightning 52. Who on earth is Vincent White Lightning and what happened to him in 1952? Is, is, is he a whiskey? I, I don't know. Um, uh, when I discovered... Uh, it, was, it was about a motorbike. So I went, oh, this, this song I've been listening to, it suddenly makes sense. And, and Psalm 37, wherever, wherever we are in the Old Testament, but especially in the Psalms, there's a moment when it suddenly clicks. This is about Jesus. He's the one who makes sense of this psalm. Who's the righteous man? Um, verse uh, um, 30. Who is the righteous man whose mouth utters wisdom and whose tongue speaks what is just? Who is the man of peace in verse 37 who has a future even in the face of death? Who is, verse 10, the, the, the preacher, sorry, verse 20, the preacher um, who can say that his enemies are God's enemies? It is the living God. And, and as we, uh, the, the Lord Jesus, um, uh, who is, this is a psalm of King David, the Messiah, the, the man speaking as a prophet to his people by the Spirit. Well, he foreshadows the great Messiah, the great King, uh, who says to us, don't get steamed up about the wicked. Don't fret. Don't get burnt up. I was running around. I was at Theological College. I was running around frantic, late for everything. Um, nothing's changed in, in the last few years. But um, my tutor, who was a very wise, very godly man, uh, took me to one side and he said, Simon, Jesus never got frantic. Jesus was never frantic. Went, went, went right through me that, those words. Like, isn't it true? Jesus, you read him in the Gospels, he never fretted, never in a rush, never worked up uh, in, in a kind of helpless, hopeless franticness. Uh, never fretted. Um, and uh, what, is, what happened to him? Well, he was the one we're about to proclaim as we take bread and wine. He was the one who was cut off as a sinner. He was the one who, who so identified with my sin, even though he was the righteous one. He was the wicked one who was cut off. So that in God's mercy, I might identify, uh, be identified with him as the righteous one. What is true of him becomes true of me. So that when I'm getting fretting, when I'm worked up about the evil going on behind closed doors and closed countries, what Putin is doing in Ukraine, what China is doing to the Uyghurs, um, uh, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. You, can you trust me to deal with the evil inside you? And if you can do that, can you trust me to deal with the wickedness out there in the world? The great king, the great king of God's people um, is calling us um, to, to trust in him. If we do that, well then Psalm 37 becomes our psalm. However imperfectly, we're looking to delight in him and trust in him. These words, these promises all become true for us. Amen. Oh.